Okay, we are back for another one. The situation is a little dire. Dan, why don't you tell everybody what's going on? Well, you know, I'll just be straightforward here. I'm on the side of a highway in my car uh, recording this from my laptop. Uh, because you know, you know why? You know why? Because we care. Okay? That's why. We made a promise to you, the loyal fan base, that we would get another episode out Thursday morning. And we are doing our damnedest to make that happen. I told Dan, don't even call AAA. We're getting this thing done right now. Yeah. Okay, so this one, if you listened to the last episode, you probably heard Dan's little tease about what this episode was about. But if you haven't, we are going to the fine continent of Australia, where we're going to be talking about Uluru. You may have heard of it before as Ayers Rock, but it's kind of a Mount McKinley, Denali type situation. The Uluru, of course, is the name the Aboriginal people of the area called it, and of course, is the respectful proper noun for it. And that is how we will refer to it for the rest of the episode. Dan, can you tell me if you know, because you, we hit a little speed bump last time I tried to ask you a question like this. <laughs> do you know where in Australia we're going today? Well, you know, to be honest, Kane, I'm like pretty sure nobody in Australia lives more than 10 miles away from the coast. Uh, that is pretty pretty much factually correct, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to guess smack dab in the middle of nowhere, outback Australia. Is you, <laughs> Bravo. Hats <laughs> off, man. You, if you look at a map of Australia with this marked, it is pretty close to the, just the geographical center of Australia. Pretty much dead center. It is technically in the Northern Territory which, uh, geez, I'll be honest, I didn't know before researching this episode that Australia has both states and territories. Well, anyways, that's not okay. Territories and states is not allowed. Uh, why is that? I, I just, uh, I don't know. I just thought of that. I don't like that. Yeah, you just don't like mixing them? Yeah, like, why are you trying to change, you know, why are you trying to add another line to your address every time you have to fill out the front of an envelope oh i see what you're saying okay hey man you should run for office yeah some seat in the public government okay so (laughs) uh this is pretty far from civilization the nearest town of substantial size it's got about twenty four thousand people called alice springs is 208 miles away that is of course 335 kilometers to the northeast there's a small tourist town about 11 miles away that has i think 3,000 people and then on the uh eastern edge of uluru there is a small aboriginal village of less than 300 people right on the eastern face and uh and uh those people uh would be called kane right okay This can be a tough one, but my best go at it is the Pitjantjatjara people. Nice. From a, yeah, from a bystanding ear. How did that sound? Do you want to give it a go? <laughs> a bystanding ear that has no idea what it's listening for, but yeah, it was good. We're right over our head here. Um, yep. That's us every week, though. Okay, so 
Dan, this was your idea. And so you had obviously looked at this a little before me. I had seen pictures of this before. And if you've seen pictures, you know, it is, it is certainly a very prominent, it sticks out like a sore thumb oh, yeah. in the, in the area. But Dan, would you mind telling us a little bit about how big this thing is? Because I was absolutely shocked. I figured <laughs> it was, you know, it was big, like a hill, but this is a little bigger than I was thinking. Walk us through it. Yeah, it would be, it would be an honor. So picture the tallest skyscraper in whatever city you are in listening to this and it's probably this rock is competing with that skyscraper this rock stands at a whopping 1142 feet off the surrounding desert which of course is the flattest earth you're gonna see for miles and miles around it sticks out like a sore thumb yeah, 1.29 square miles. And uh, this is probably my favorite stat, maybe yours too, is that if you were to try to walk around this thing, it would take you about three and a half hours. Yeah, I think I saw that it was about, uh, it had about a 10 mile circumference, which is just ridiculous. Yeah, they should and run a half marathon around. Actually, yeah, no, no they shouldn't, especially. Yeah, with- <laughs> yeah no. no, they should not. <laughs> best to leave that one alone um crazy thing about that to me is this is one contiguous piece of rock there aren't like jointages you know it's not like uh i don't know how best to describe that but this is seriously one big chunk of rock right and most of it is actually underground i know less than half of it is sticking up out of the dirt that's baffling. Uh, yeah, and it's it's been it's pretty old too. It's been there about five hundred and forty million years. So, <laughs> so you know, a lot of me. like the top part of it has eroded over time. Like this is oh, not yeah, how this rock started out. You know, in reality, I think the thing that I was most excited about with this episode is that we were finally talking about something that was at least appearing to be unscathed undamaged by like human hands you know the the aboriginal people will get into it you know this was at the center of like their society but there was not any like classic western explorer damage done to this this rock yeah um obviously it had it had been a substantial piece of the culture of the Aboriginal people in the area for a long time, but I'm going to start by telling you about how it was introduced to the Western world, sort of. So obviously at this point, the, I guess it was the territory of Australia at that point was still part of the British Empire. And they had just built a telegraph line that ran from the south end to the north end so they could quickly communicate. And so once they got that done, they started to kind of send out expeditions into the outback to try to find places they might be able to farm or raise livestock. And there were two separate expeditions, both that took place in 1872. The first of which the Giles expedition discovered a very similar uh, rock formation. That's about, I think, 
11, maybe 10. No, actually, I think it's 16 miles away called <laughs> Kata Juta. It looks a little bit like eggs kind of sticking out of the ground, but it's a very, it's, it's similar like sandstone, monolithic kind of uh, structures. And then later that year, the Goss, do you think that's Goss? Ghosts? Yeah, that one's expedition? tough. G-O-S-S-E. I would say Goss. Okay, the Goss expedition discovered Uluru and named it after who was at the time the chief secretary of South Australia, Henry Ayers. Even though, uh, funnily enough, this is technically not in South Australia. <laughs> um, I feel like we could do some justice here, Kane. Okay, what do you so, mean by that? I'm just saying uh, we're definitely <laughs> probably pronouncing some of these aboriginal names wrong. Maybe for the rest of the podcast, we can just uh, pronounce the like British names wrong as well. Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, go, go say is the go say expedition okay. discovered right. the Uluru. Just spread the disrespect equally across all parties. Disrespect. Um, yeah. So. The rock itself is considered sacred to the Aboriginal Pichinchachara, thank you, people, who had settled the area roughly 10,000 years uh, before the founding finding of the site. And it is extremely important to, I don't know if this is the belief system for all Aboriginal people or more specifically just the, that tribe. I really couldn't find many answers on that. I don't know how unified the kind of belief system is between the Aboriginal people. They do consider the rock a living thing and sort of a, in some ways, a cathedral and in others, a resting place of the ancestral beings from the dream time. The what? what? The what? The dream time. And there's some contention about that name, about that translation. Because it's yeah, uh, I, I can see that. Like, well, yeah, I, I can I can guess already. Because it's called the Dream Time, but it's really sort of their. <laughs> oh, are, you, are you kidding me? Is that a joke? Uh, allow oh, me man. to continue, Dan. Why do I think you're gonna keep that in? <laughs> um, um, it's really a formation myth, and it's an important distinction. It is not a creation myth because they actually believe that the Earth existed. Always. It has never not existed, but it was just featureless and kind of unformed until the dream time. And that's when these large uh, semi-humanoid beings and then beings that resembled plants and resembled animals trekked across the land and did the same kind of things that the Aboriginal people do, like uh, kind of traveled and camped and hunted. And these... Uh, Ancestral beings, of course, died, passed on life to us, created the Anangu, which is what the Aboriginal people refer to, like kind of people as it's, I think it's the word for people. And then they moved to their resting place, Uluru. So until, or from 1872, when they found that on, the Northern Territory kind of just claimed all that land. But by 1921, large swaths of land 
in the territories of Western Australia, Southern Australia, and the Northern Territory were merged into an Aboriginal reserve called the Peterman Reserve. But by 1936, the word had kind of spread about this monolithic red blip in the desert, and tourists started moving into the area. By the 1940s, European settlers started to inhabit the area permanently. And this kind of led to an increase in tourism then, and the government of the Northern Territory got a little jealous and cut that area out of the Peterman Reserve and kept it for themselves, turned it into a national park to reap those sweet tourism bucks. Classic. Right. And by 1959, um, a motel and an airstrip had already been built nearby. So you can really feel the, the desecration of this holy ground. Yeah, bring them on in. Bring, yeah. bring your rappers and your, your pea streams and all that. Wasn't, uh, it wasn't until 1985 that the government returned the National Park area to the Aboriginal people. There was a condition, though, that they had to lease it back to the government for a 99-year-long term, where it would be jointly managed. Uh, That's a confusing this, relationship. Yeah, I don't, I, it's, it's kind of similar to the, um, I guess in a way it's kind of similar to the Hong Kong, like how they, Hong Kong and Macau, my understanding with how those work is like the Portuguese and British governments gave them back to China, but under the provision that they had to be like autonomous for a certain amount of time. Is that right? Yeah, and Hong Kong's that the reason why that's sort of boiling, starting to boil over more is that it's coming up in like the next 10 years or something like that. Yeah, yeah, things are really popping off over there. The funny thing about this is that was, that was in 1985 when that handoff happened. In 1983, though, Prime Minister of Australia, Bob Hawke, had promised the Aboriginal people that he would ban the climbing of the rock by tourists. But when they made the handoff in 1985, at the very last minute, it became conditional to the, de- the, to the deal that that provision be removed and that the tourists would be allowed to climb on it. And it's, it's a problem to this day. There are signs, like obviously it's not, since it is legal, there's nobody that's going to stop you. But there is a sign that's like made by the uh, Pichinjara, the like tribe in the area that's basically explaining, Hey, this is really important to our culture. We can't stop you from climbing it, but we do ask you to be respectful and not climb it. And what's just and, hilarious. Uh, yeah. Sorry, needless to say people pay attention, right? They, they see that and turn around. Right. Right. Please, I'm, not, yeah, right? No, I'm, I'm afraid not. It's actually a hilarious juxtaposition. If you, if you ever visit the Wikipedia page, the picture in the tourism subsection of the page is a man taking a picture of this sign and the sign is in the foreground and then in the background is like two dozen people climbing and there's just a it almost feels painful there's a chain that they just like staked into the ground metal stakes just kind of hammered in there and then a chain running through it and that's how you climb up but it's like to really rehash how big this thing is, it's a steep climb. And the government recommends bringing lots of water with you and people get vertigo climbing it. Because oh my it's God. so, yeah, it's, it's a very steep hike too. 
and that's like correct me if i'm wrong but didn't i don't know if you mentioned this but isn't the path sort of to the top like one of the sort of central reasons why this rock is or i guess sort of like the central aspects of of like why this rock is so key to the aboriginal people right like that path is used for something yeah the path i think it is either like it is or is it crosses what's called a song line and i think that's a a path that those ancestral beings in the dream time walked on so those are supposed to be like sacred paths and not uh not to just be uh, trotted down by common folk. Yeah, great. I'm seeing here there have been 37 deaths related to the recreational climbing of this since such incidents began being recorded. I don't know how long that wow, is. Wow, so but you know there's way more. I, yeah. In, like, uh, especially, I'm sure they started recording it, like, in 85. They were like... Since we're getting money for this, so. <laughs> um, yeah, before that, back in from when this was discovered until like 1940, there wasn't really any inherent value to human life, and people just kind of threw people away. So <laughs> I could see that being like when you read about just like factory conditions and stuff back then, it is no surprise to me that there was a communist uprising like at in the early 20th century in america you know just like the factory conditions were awful oh yeah like mining conditions oh yeah stuff. well it's like it's that's become like a whole unit in all u.s history classes everywhere is like here's how journalism like took a stand and actually <laughs> really made right. a massive impact anyways this is not australian history um so bob Hawk, <laughs> right? yeah um, this fella yeah sneaks in that provision saying, nah, we're going to give it back to you, sort of, but still use it in the exact same way as we were before. Right, but after 99 years, you can have it again. Unless we pull a Disney on you and extend it for another 99 years, right at year 98. Uh, Yeah. Uh, The Thankfully, though, the Uluru... Katajuta National Park Board stated in 2017 that after October 26th of this year, 2019, climbing will be forbidden and not just discouraged. Wow. Doesn't really undo the damage that's been done. Right. But better than nothing. Well, just like I'm astounded at I'm astounded at our own skill uh, in in finding topics that somehow become so relevant around the time that we record because like we're all doing you a service now like you guys have one month and uh eight days to get your butts to the middle of nowhere yeah get that climb in throw a lot of garbage down on the ground and you know ditch a dead body or two like do what you need to do you're welcome except we definitely should not end on that so i got i got something up my sleeve um it's not going to be pretty, but I'm going to give it my best. I'm going to reach oh, over. I'm going to take off my headphones. I'm going to reach over and I'm going to grab my trusty didgeridoo and <laughs> give sort of a almost a taps of sorts 
or a <laughs> oh Danny boy for the uh, climbers. Uh, allow me one moment here. This is a beautiful gathering of multiple cultures and two confused men doing their best. Anything else you think, Dan? What do I think? I think I see AAA coming down the side of the highway now, so this is actually perfect timing. Okay, well, no, I'm not letting you go just yet. So lock, uh. roll, roll up your windows, lock the doors. <laughs> don't, don't let this guy get near you. Uh, I want to talk to you about Dan. Let's figure out right now. Let's hash out to the best of our ability right now. What should we talk about next week? Oh, okay. Because I have, I don't know if you heard me say this, I have like a fallback topic, but it's, yeah. it's kind of been done to death. So I don't necessarily want to do it, but there are definitely people who haven't heard about it. So, it, you know, it will probably be an episode yeah. Sunday. I mean, I have. Yeah, I have some stuff. In, in oh, a you know, it would be interesting. What? Um, you remember me telling you about that show, The Terror? Uh, briefly, yeah. Okay. What if we talked about, it would be another kind of historical themed, if we talked about the Northwest Territory, I mean the Northwest, Northwest, Jesus, the Northwest Passage. And like British sailors trying to find the Northwest Passage, talk Ooh. about the failed expeditions. Yes. Um, yeah, for sure. There's another one, Mount Taishan. That oh, we can yes. Do. Yes. If there's like, if, if there's a wealth of information, I would love to talk about that because that is something straight out of like a really, I don't want, see, I don't want to say like a bad Kung Fu movie, but it's like, it seems like it's from work fiction. Yeah. With just the legend around this place. So, you know what? It'll be one of those two. Uh, We'll (laughs) leave it. It's 50-50. It's going to be a coin flip what you hear next Thursday. Uh, All right. Well, if you got nothing else, Dan. I got nothing. All right. Do we have an outro song? Oh, um, maybe like, man, should we do the men at work land down under? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I got no problem with that. Traveling in a freighter combi On a hippie trail head full of zombies I met a strange lady She made me nervous She took me in and gave me breakfast she said, do you come from a land down under? A women's blue.